it's a spiritual journey to ultimately let go of those expectations and recognize that it's not you who are ultimately the representative of Christ that matters. Christ will make you into his image. What if you could be at your strongest when you're the most vulnerable? Welcome back to the Riskers podcast. Today, we welcome Mick Silva, Senior Acquisitions Editor at Zondervan. He has nearly 20 years of experience working in Christian publishing, and we first met at a conference in Oregon, and I remember what stood out about Mick was his kindness and was his attentiveness. If you struggle with pretending or how others perceive you, then this talk with Mick about vulnerability is absolutely right for you today. So the big question is this. How do Jesus-loving entrepreneurs, pastors, and driven men and women of faith like us who are taking risks to pursue their kingdom calling, how do we get our mission, the problem we're working to solve, the pain we're striving to heal, how do we fully realize it here on earth? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Caleb Brakey, and welcome to the Riskers Podcast. Welcome, Mick, to the Riskers podcast. Brother, we met years ago at the Oregon Christian Writers Conference. And I remember thinking to myself, now here's a guy who I can go get a coffee with or a drink with. Very personable. You connect with writers. And brother, so privileged to have you on the podcast. Hey, man, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And kudos on the podcast. It's been doing well. Thank you very much. We have been absolutely loving it. Sir, your story, where did this editing as a senior acquisitions editor, you may not have seen yourself doing this 10, 20 years ago, and you've been in the industry for two decades. Where did it all start for you? This detail, this attention to, hey, this person has something to say. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, And you're right. I didn't see myself doing this. Not at all. Uh, I wanted to figure it out. I was a writer, you know, a kind of wannabe writer uh, and figured, hey, let's learn how to edit and and kind of threw something together and, and made my first uh, attempt at getting a real job at Focus on the Family back in, in Colorado Springs. I was just married and figured that was a great way to get started. I got my foot in the door, became an assistant editor there at Focus Books and worked my way into acquisitions. It's been a long journey. I tell you, 20 years goes fast, but um, working with a lot of great writers. And I have learned over the years that writing is this thing that just, I mean, you either have it in you or you don't. And yet there are many books out there that aren't just to a writer or for a writer. They're by these people who have a heart just for God and for his work in the world. And so that's what I've loved doing. It's totally blown my expectations out of the water. I, I had no idea when I was starting out what it was going to look like, but it has been a journey, man. It scared me too. I, I think that's something that I've really, I've looked forward to talking to you about this too, because I know you're talking to risk takers and how do you take those risks to kind of decide, okay, I, maybe I'm a writer or I have a message or I'm not really sure. How do I take that next step? And really one of the things I've loved and I've heard others talk about this on your podcast is being available to others and and having a mentor in your life. I was lucky to have that kind of early on at at Focus on the Family. Larry Whedon was my uh, initial superior and my boss. And so he he kind of showed me the ropes, showed me how to edit, 
And we went back and forth on many drafts and he showed me, this is what you want to do and frame it this way. And always add a compliment in there as well as the critique, you know, uh, I've, I've kept that stuff forever. I love to hear that. I remember my first job working at a newspaper at the Chronicle and I oh, yeah. wanted to get no marks so bad. And I would sit there at night. I would be working late, 11 to midnight to sometimes one or two because it was a sports desk at the time. Oh, my yeah. boss would come in in the morning. So I'd sit there and I'd work like proofread, proofread, proofread. Okay, there's no way <laughs> he's seen anything. And sure enough, I come into work the next afternoon and the spread is there and it's just marked up, covered in ink. I'm like, come on, how do I beat this guy? How do I beat this editor? Yeah. So I, boy, I get that. And what a great learning experience on the job that is. Yeah, yeah. You had mentioned there's a certain spark and so on, if you will, or just the, the people yeah. who are living, they got that message that's got to come out. Mick, I've had someone who's been in the industry a long time tell me that he's seen five as an one, two, three, four, five, writers do it really well. Meaning they were actually embodying their message, writing about it, living it at the same time because publishing can be a ruthless business in terms of oh, the time it takes, the energy outflow, the, hey, you're writing one book, now start edits on your next. Oh, by the way, we need to start your third book. And you can get caught in this rat race. And before you know it, you're writing about marriage and your marriage is falling apart. Tell me about well, who's that person who's doing it well and how can you encourage others, whether it's writing or honestly any pursuit you're taking, how can you do it well? Wow, that's a big question. And, and I really appreciate it, man. And I don't know. I, I don't know that I, I have the answer to that. I, I'm a PK. I was raised in the church. And so that was always my kind of uh, living in the fishbowl, that was my experience, um, seeing how people um, put folks up on a pedestal, you know, and I think there's a lot of damage that happens when we create Christian celebrity. Several folks talk about this. Derwin Gray is one uh, writer I, I follow and admire. He's a great pastor, Transformation Church, but he has talked about Christian celebrity as being one of the, the key factors in people's downfall. Ultimately, it is a pressure that I don't think we were meant to withstand. And one of the things that happens when you're an author is you can get built up and puffed up and it happens to you as well as you're doing it. So there's this sales mentality and entrepreneurialism is great, but when it turns into a brand and an image and market driven kind of commercial success at all costs, it becomes very toxic. And I think what's hard for believers is to recognize, and this is something I've seen as a PK, it's not make believe it's believe mm. you don't want to make believe your way into being a good person or being a christian or being an author or any of that that's not real life you can't pretend you have to believe that god has made you worthy in your soul in who you are and you have a call he's going to equip you with that and he doesn't need you to have all the answers I think a lot of times I'm, I'm hearing from authors, oh, I have this great message and I just want to share it with everybody. And I say, well, that's great. But in the edit process, you're going to realize all that you still have to learn. And I want to learn that along the way too, as a reader, but also just as someone who's on the journey with you. Make believe or believe. <laughs> that that's is right. incredibly powerful. Yeah. And, and I've heard it said many times, the idea of you're, you're in a glass box. We're looking to put someone on a pedestal to watch their every mood because that must be the example 
of Christ right there. So I need to do sure. exactly what they do and they need to be perfect. And I could imagine the temptation to just be like, I need to control other people's perception of me. I would love to hear, have you seen someone move from the enslavement of performing for others around them into mm -hmm. freedom? Yeah, no, that's great. And I think what we're talking about is expectations. When you're put on a pedestal, you're feeling the pressure of those expectations. And I mean, that was what I was born into. Honestly, it was just something that I was aware of. An author I've really loved, Parker Palmer, talks about this in his book, uh, Let Your Life Speak. And it's one I go back to all the time. He's talking about it's a spiritual journey to ultimately let go of those expectations. And the letting go thing, that's all it takes, is being willing to let that go, allow people in, and to see who you really are and recognize that it's not you who are ultimately the representative of Christ that matters. Christ will make you into his image. And as you allow that process, other people see how it happens. It's not orderly. It's not controlled. It's not something you can package <laughs> and bottle. I wish we could, right? But, but <laughs> you can't. Uh, you can try and put it in a book as a journey. And I think that's what Parker Palmer is trying to do in many of his books. So, yeah, the story, what would be Parker Palmer, um, just kind of realizing that he was in the wrong industry and had to take many years and many mentors to talk to him and, and convince him to change his career hmm. and become a writer. I've sort of identified with that in a way, although uh, going into Christian publishing was kind of a Jonah experience for me, you know, running away from what I felt like I was being called to do, which was ministry. And here I am being a minister, counseling authors as they work through their books, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> When my wife and I were first married, I remember we'd have, you know, someone over for dinner, maybe someone we didn't know that well, or someone new in our life. And Brittany has always had this incredible way of telling the truth and being authentic 100% <laughs> of the time. And I've never seen a reflection of like what I was afraid of, but also what I wanted to be <laughs> than in her in those moments, because she God would say her. something and I'm like, kind of going like this inside, just like, yeah. how are they going to respond to that? And the funny thing, Mick, was Brittany is a magnet of people. Mm. Like her authenticity draws people to her. Yeah. They they want to hear from her. I think they see her and they just see real. There's yeah. no, you're, you're not changing the way you're acting around me because of this, that, and the next thing. You're speaking to me as a human and from your heart. She, of course, she has all the proper filters of like, you know, she's not going <laughs> to, you know, I, I don't even right. know what the example would be. but. Yeah authenticity and vulnerability draws people to you. And this is, this yeah. is what the author must do, correct? Like, yeah, brother, I want to get back to risk and your story. So when you think about risk, what comes to your mind? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not knowing, right? Not knowing for sure. I love that image. And I mean, it's an old movie now, but I use it all the time still that Indiana Jones, you know, where he steps out onto no bridge and He's got to just believe that there's a bridge there. It's such a great prescient image of what trust looks like. You don't know that anything's going to catch you. And yet it does. And it strengthens your faith like nothing else, right? That's the experience that I think I'm looking for. And when I step out in risk, I always think about that. And, you know, if, if you've seen the movie, you see him like clutch his chest. He's like holding on to his heart, you know, in that moment going, come on, heart, we can do this. I love that picture. 
Uh, now I can't stop thinking of the movie. That was an amazing <laughs> visual effect back then. <laughs> there was yeah, the dust out there and he sees it. Yeah. Mick, that's awesome. And I'm curious from writer working at Focus now at Zondervan, what has been what you consider the biggest risk you've taken in your life where you go, you know, on paper, this just isn't making that much sense. But in my spirit, I see no other way. Oh, man. Well, I, I could answer two ways. I think first, uh, of course, big moves always come to mind first mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, we've been fairly transient in this job, as you kind of need to be uh, if you're going to be an acquisitions editor. Um, my first move was to Colorado Springs. That was a big risk. But I knew I had a job. The, the more difficult one was moving from Colorado Springs when there was a downsizing. Uh, reduction in force, as they called it, a rift. And uh, <laughs> corporately, I think we, we got the gossip um, early. And I, I went to him and I said, you know, if you need to cut a particular percentage of staff, it might be a good time for, for us. And I, I did that knowing that I didn't have a job set up. I didn't really even know where I was going to go. But I felt like God was telling my wife, Sherry and me, that there was something else for us outside of that safety net of Christian community that we had had for so long. I didn't know if it was going to mean moving from Colorado Springs, although ultimately it did. And that's when we moved to Portland and I started freelancing. That was tough. I, I didn't have anything set up. We had a little bit of savings, but you know, I had to look at that and go, okay, what, what is success? Even if I fail at this, can that still be a success to fail well? If we are moving in the direction God has asked us to move, won't it also be successful if we fail well? And it ended up being the best thing. I mean, we moved out uh, to Portland. And then the risk to come out to Grand Rapids and start at Zondervan was a little bit easier at that point. It wasn't as easy for my wife and, and teen daughters, but they were willing to take it and, and try an adventure with me. And it's been great so far. So I feel like that risk to leave Colorado Springs was a setup for the risk of coming back to Christian community at uh, Zonderman. Before we go further, I want to take a quick break and tell you about the publishing expertise offered by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we help men and women of faith become powerfully positioned to impact lives by collaboratively writing their book and building their ministry platform. If you've longed to write your book and impact a broader audience, our team is here to help, even if you don't have the time or energy to write. We've helped riskers like you secure traditional book deals, hit numerous bestseller lists, keynote to 100,000 people in two years, and get featured on Entrepreneur on Fire, Forbes, and Inc. Schedule a free strategy call at www.calebrakey.com. I'm curious. So one of the things that I've mentioned to Brittany over and over and over and over is that I wish I would have written down how many times God has been faithful to create a way when I thought there was no way. This amnesia that we have to God's faithfulness, it is incredible how fast it works. And the next time you're up against a wall, you've got conflict. You go, how in the world am I ever going to get out of this? And, and it's the immediate thought isn't, well, God got me out of that. He's going to get me through this. Yeah, we just yeah. love to say there's just no way. And, and I wish I would record that just to just feel it and to open it up during yeah. those moments. I love how you said that too, because it is, it's kind of like writing it down, right? I, I remember the Ebenezer's in, in the scriptures, it talks about uh, in the Old Testament to remind the people of what God's done. 
if you keep a journal at all, or, or you even just a, a blog, I've blogged since 2004. And that has been a great reminder, I got to say. I mean, sometimes the uh, Facebook memories will come up and it'll remind you of the posts you did. Uh, that's, those are helpful, actually. I, I look back and I go, you know what? That was, a, that was a difficult time. And yet I knew that God was there. Not having finances lined up is one thing. Not having a community lined up is another. And I would say to people who are looking at any move or risk, you don't have to be sure of either of those things. But I think if you have a community and you have people around you, those are ultimately your money in the bank, those relationships. Wow, that's so powerful. And I love that you mentioned relationships. What a through line I'm seeing. I've done now probably a couple dozen interviews and relationships have become such a through line. I've seen someone very close to me say, when my back was against the wall, when God had to show up, I have never been more in love with Christ. But Caleb, I have to be honest with you. Once I started to figure things out, I kind of let God fall by the wayside. Yeah. If you look at the opposite of taking these risks, of trusting God, Hmm. you're kind of saying, I want to trust myself more. God's okay being up there and he's, he's my God and I believe in him. Yeah. But when it comes to my finances, my job and all these other things, I, I got that. Like that's, that's my, that. I got the password for that. You can't have that. That's right. And it can lead to this unreliance that I believe ultimately becomes incredibly useless Christian yeah. because yeah. we can't please God without faith and we're just not usable without faith. That's and so, so you know, this podcast isn't, just about helping people see that risk is an option. This is faith. This is there's a reason for this. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's also sometimes a warning against if you are never stepping out in faith, that could be dis- disobedience. You know, God yeah. is prompting in you. Right. Anyway, I wanted to bring that up. And brother, That's I so want to now transition to I like to think that God uses us to use our gifts, our talents, our circumstances, mm-hmm. experience to to perhaps solve a problem or heal a pain in this world. What do you consider your, that pain that you're trying to heal or that problem you're trying to solve? So I've worked on this book recently called Redeeming Heartache, and it's going to come out April, May next year. Great book. Amazing. Dan Allender, he's written several books, uh, The Wounded Heart being his, his most popular, and just talking about how you turn past suffering into your true calling. How does God do that? He actually uses a biblical model of looking at the three archetypes of the dispossessed in the scriptures, as we know, uh, widow, orphan, and strangers. And he says, each of us in our heart is one of those three things. And I think it's really profound to think about, okay, what ultimately we're trying to do when we look for our call is to have that transformative experience that takes the widow, orphan, and stranger experiences of our lives and transforms them into something God can use. So he uses the three archetypes of, uh, well, the three offices of of Christ, ultimately, prophet, priest, and king, and says that each three of those original dispossessed archetypes can be transformed through Christ's work into the three new offices of Christ as his representative in the world, and you will have that as your call. So this is an amazing archetype, and I'm, I'm using it now. It's, it's probably just embedded in my brain because we've been editing it together, but how to redeem heartache. Ultimately, I feel like my call is to allow the experiences of my past, the things that I would like to not have had happened, to come out and to be transformed in my relationships with others. So that's with my wife. That's with my kids. That's with my parents. 
all of the places where I feel like I'm maybe not at my best or uh, out of my depth, that happens all the time. And in my job, especially when I feel like, okay, there's an emotional cost here. There's there's something required of me that I don't really feel equipped, uh, particularly as a, a macho man in America culture today. You know, you're like, okay, well, this is this is not what I would have chosen being an editor. At the same time, you feel like, hey, God wants to use those experiences to then equip and support and empower people in their work as well. So my call is ultimately to help others in their call. I like to help people shape their words. And by doing that, I ultimately shape their lives and they go on to shape other people's lives. I remember back when uh, my first books came out, I started going to different conferences and speaking and I'd get these terrible stress headaches and and all these things. And I found out pretty quickly that I wasn't supposed to be that guy Uh, and quickly moved into that, that, you know, I'm going to support others. And boy, I really resonate with that. And I I have to share this anecdote because I thought it was awesome. A team member of ours has been using this hashtag, right people, right work. And it just resonated with me because I knew that there were a lot of good people, character, integrity, those who really needed to be in positions of leadership. And when I heard right people, right work, it it almost resonated with me as like right writers, right platforms, because that was the world I was coming from. Anyway, my friend wrote this back to me. He said, it's a very intuitive, discerning, kingdom building sense. It's when you realize that people are doing not only what they are uniquely wired to do, but positioned to do. The kingdom is bigger than all of us, and it's going to get built with or without us. But by God's grace, we get to play a part of it. So right people, right work is when people are leaning into their unique gifting, wiring, talent, experience, position, exposure, whatever it is, and they are leveraging it, that influence in a way that is selflessly serving other people as a reflection and demonstration of love. That is the work of building God's kingdom. And that just blew my mind. And I shared it with our team and I was like, right people, right work. That's what drives me because we're coming, I mean, even now, fresh off of the elections, we see this tension of someone whose character is so, I don't even know the word for it, but it's, mm. it's not someone I want to be hanging around as my mentor to teach me how to operate and be like Jesus. Right. Yeah. And yet there are people out there who are like that, who do yeah. point you to Christ. And yeah. those are the people I think, would you please step into this role? I, I heard it said that everyone is looking around, looking to plug into someone essentially. Yeah they will plug into whoever's out there. And sometimes those yep. people are going to have really bad character. Sometimes they'll have good. I want to find those people with those right hearts, right messages mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. walk in character and integrity and build them up to where others can find them. I feel that, man. I, I feel that from you too. I mean, you're, you're real. You admire, like your friend, the sage there. That, that's amazing. That is a great piece. And I, I'm going to take that. I mean, you can send it to me after. That's so good. Mm-hmm. But like, my escape from legalism and that religious upbringing, I felt like it was through writing. It, it made me realize that, that is my calling in publishing and editing and, and helping people to write. I love yeah. that. Brother, as we wind down here, I always ask people, risk is blank. To me, the bullseye is trusting that the attempt to follow is enough. Wow. 
I think if, if I could hold on to that in the moment more often, I would be a much more happy, fulfilled, successful person, you know? I love that, Mick. Just the idea of that step is enough and that God's got you. This God who takes care of the birds and takes care of this world, he's got you. Yeah. Um, oh man, that is, uh, it's encouraging, brother. Um, well, hey, if you are listening right now, I want you to give mixed episode here five stars. And if you could leave a review, that'll really help the podcast. Uh, if God is calling you to risk, to share your story, to heal a pain, to solve a problem, we want to offer as many resources and be as helpful as possible. You can always go to calebrakey.com to get our free report there. You can always email me for free resources. Nick, what about you? Someone's mm-hmm. listening right now who's really connecting with you. And they say, I want to connect with them further. Where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, I've got a website and basically it's micksilva.com, M-I-C-K-S-I-L-V-A. And of course, you know, I'm just around the web on the socials. Look me up. Love it. Thank you so much, Mick, for being a guest on the Riskers Podcast. Thank you you so much for your words of wisdom. Look forward to doing it again sometime. Right on, brother. Thank you for listening to the Riskers Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we're on a mission to teach kingdom-minded men and women how to write, publish, and market best-selling books and build world-class platforms. To learn more, go to www.calebrakey.com.